Welcome to the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hugan. Psalm 96 verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before Him all the earth. It's one of many verses where the holiness of God is connected to a response of fearful worship. Today we'll define that fear that God seeks in His people and follow its expression as we come before the Holy God and respond to His call on our lives. What kind of fear am I talking about here? I'm not talking about the fear of little children who are afraid of clowns. I'm not talking about waking up from a scary dream. When I was a young boy, my sister actually loves to tell her children these stories. I like to strategically position myself in dark and scary places in order that I might jump up from the leaves or from behind the tree or out of the barn and scare the wits out of her. That was a delight at the time. You know, you continue doing that for a while until you realize that if your children do it in return, they might give you a heart attack and you might die. So you start thinking, okay, let's stop doing this. I've got to start kind of planning. I don't want this to be re- favor to be returned, but that's frightening people. We're not talking about frightening people or startling people. We're talking about something, something much greater and deeper than that. We're not talking about a momentary shock. We're talking about an awesome, creeping dread that comes over you. A sense of fear like standing at the edge of the universe and being invited to fall into it so that you might find your life. Fear and dread because God is awesome and God is completely other. Stirs you to move back, but it calls you to jump in. You experience the fear of any creature before its creator. And then that fear increases when you find out that this creator is sinless and pure and you discover that you're not. And that fear grows even as this God invites you to himself. You're a child before him and you're in awe of him because he's calling you to himself and he's so other and he's so holy. You know what you're experiencing? God crafting faith in you. What you're experiencing is God bringing you into a place of humility and contrition capable of receiving His holiness. You're experiencing what the Bible calls repentance that sees yourself for what you are before a holy God but knows that God is still calling you and you have to turn. What are you going to do at that moment? Are you going to turn back into the little self-world that you've made for yourself and you've lived in in the past? It seems so safe before, but once God makes himself known to you, you realize you're no longer safe there. What will you do? Well, in fear and repentance, you turn away from yourself and your sin, and you come to the holy fire of God, and you give in to him. You say something like this, God, come into me. Fire of God, begin within me. Burn away my sin. Burn out myself. Be my life. Folks, that's not the prayer of some super saint. That's the prayer of a new Christian giving his heart to the holy God who's calling them. God answers that prayer. You're born again. 
God puts his fire within you. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit living within you. You're a Christian now. He's made you holy. He's conferred his holy fire upon your life so that you can be with him and you might enjoy his presence. And now, how are you to be with him? How are you to live before him? What's your attitude to be as you serve him? What is it to be now? Should it still be an attitude of fear that goes before you as you enter into and as you entertain his presence? I think so. I think it should. Sometimes it's the holy fear that comes upon you suddenly when you realize that you've ignored God's presence, but he's been there all along. I'll share with you one personal testimony, and then maybe I'll give you a couple other examples. But I'll take you very quickly back to a time when I was a young pastor. I was at a conference. These young pastors were sharing stories of how God was blessing them in their ministry and the great things that God was doing. And I have to tell you, I was kind of jealous. I wasn't experiencing that for myself. I went on a long walk complaining to God. God, I want to know you. I want to experience you like that. God, reveal yourself to me. God, why are you distant from me and you're showing yourself to all these other individuals? I prayed for about an hour and a half that way, just going on, pouring out my complaint, revealing whether I knew it or not, my own jealousy at these other individuals. And then in a millisecond, God brought to me a message that was, I'll compact it for you as briefly as I can, but the message was this. God brought to me the memory of my father among my siblings, playing with them and wrestling with them on the floor and carrying them on his shoulders or taking them out swimming and watching it as a child as my father did all those things and during that time rejoicing in my father's interaction with us all. As a child, I wasn't jealous when my father was tickling my sister. I was laughing when he had her and he was tickling her. I took great joy in every expression in which he gave love to them because I thought to myself, oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he cares for us. God said to me, Joel, do you not see how close and near I am to you? Can you not delight in how I delight in my children and your brothers and sisters? Tell you what happened when that thought came to me so quickly with such a rush and with such force. I remember the place. I was on a dock in the midst of a lake all by myself. And I was on my face on that dock. Oh God, forgive me for my jealousy and my pettiness. Oh God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. You've never left me. What was that? That was an encounter and response of fear before a holy God. God, you're holy and you're good. And so, you have your own stories. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have your stories of struggling with some inner battle where you're having no peace in your life. Where you're wanting God to speak or God to reveal himself or to illuminate your way before you and you feel all his darkness around you and you breathe out your complaint to God and then in a flash God shows you that thing or that possession or that prize or that attitude that you've treasured more than him and in that moment you find yourself unwittingly on your face before God. That's fear. There are occasions when you go to bed at night and you pray and if you're like so many you just lay your head upon the pillow it's the end of the day you're tired in that quiet moment you Offer up your prayers before God. You seek His forgiveness. You pray for those things and those needs around you as you lay your head upon the pillow. And 
But on some occasions you're praying, and as you're praying, God moves upon your spirit to sense his presence or see some great thing he's doing or reveals his goodness to you in some wonderful way. And before you know it, and not involuntarily, you find yourself not laying on your bed with your head on your pillow, but you find yourself on your knees beside your bed and worshiping him. And it's fear. It's fear and the holiness and the presence of a holy God. It's also expressed just in acts of reverence and respect and awe. It's seen in wanting to please your heavenly Father. It's desiring that nothing should dampen your enjoyment of Him. It's the fear that's expressed when your breath is taken away with joy at the thought of how good He is to you. It's living in light of God's honor. It's determining that you will not treat Him tritely or wave off His commandments and convictions in order to follow your own best instincts in your own way. This is what we read. Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And that means in my mind that there has to be a cultivation of a conscious awareness that God is here and that He is holy and that He is a completely and totally other flame and also to understand and know that He has made me a flame too. And that my obligation in living a holy life is to let his fire burn all around me and to burn out for him through the resources of his own presence to his glory and his honor to burn for him. You know, God does put fiery, holy instincts within us, passions for him. It gets misdirected many times. We take that fiery instinct for what is good and true and holy and we let it burn out towards others. The result is, in a sense, in our minds, we begin to deify ourselves as if it belonged to us and it was our flame. And we begin to become exalted and proud. God puts His holy life in us. God calls us to the perfecting of His holy life within us by stirring up within our minds and our hearts and our spirits the awareness of His presence, His holy otherness, and the instinct of that pure and potent holiness in order that that flame might not go out towards others but that it might go inward towards every attitude and everything in our life that does not foster a reverence and awe for God in my life. That's the attitude of approaching holiness in fear. We're going to be talking about what it means to be holy. We begin with fear. Awesome, wonderful fear. And by the way, don't think that that fear decreases your intimacy with God. It increases it. It increases it. Your reverence and your awe and your honor brings you into a state in which you realize that you're covered with all of that awesomeness as God has come to you and it invites you to be with Him and live with Him and continue giving Him glory. This is the mystery. Although He is so distinct, He doesn't become distant from you He becomes more and more dear to you as you live within His holiness. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. This is the mystery before us, O God. We cannot grasp how holy you are. We sense it at times. We step back in awe. But as soon as we sense it and we step back in awe, we hear that same holiness inviting us to come.
to come and be with you and be in you. We see why the blood was shed to make us clean. We find that in this revelation of our own shortcomings, the humility that's required to cavern out our souls as a place where, God, you can abide and dwell. We thank you. We praise you. We want more of this. We want more of this. Oh, God, let all our lives be solemnity. Let all our lives be joy and celebration. Hilarity before your holiness, in your holiness. Help us to live in such a way, dear God, that we might be holy lights to an age that so much needs to see something distinct from the flesh and the carnality around it. Drawing men and calling men to the Savior. Now, Lord, we come before this table set for us celebrating the sacrifice that you made for our sins in order that we might be clean, in order that the fire may be placed in us. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A long time ago, it was decided to share the prayers offered at the end of the sermons over the members of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. They are prayed over the body, but they extend as our petitions for you. Bread of Life is a mission fellowship that holds as a key purpose the support of the evangelistic ministry of church partnership evangelism around the world. To learn about both, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll find archives of our radio broadcasts and of full-length sermons as well. And there you'll also find a place to give to support this work. Until the next time, thanks for listening, and God bless you.